This morning's scripture reading is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15 and 18 through 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went on a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever felt so down that it seemed like you were all alone? Or maybe if not you in particular, but do you know somebody who's felt that way? Or I'm going to put it a slightly different way. Have you ever had a moment of success that then you freaked out and sabotaged everything around you so that you couldn't enjoy the success. I've shared with a lot of you that, that I deal with, with mild depression and general anxiety. I've got it pretty well handled with medication at this point, but there were some times when it was very, very hard, sometimes when I felt worthless, sometimes when I felt alone. Back when Amelia was a baby, I was uh, heavily involved in writing electronic music, and I was achieving some semblance of success. I can't remember 
exactly the scenario, but at this point in time, I had put a release out. I was getting some radio play. I was getting some magazines writing about me. And, and a rational person would say, this is awesome. I'm going to record more music so that I can build on this success. But do you know what I did in my non-rational, anxiety-ridden mind? I decided my studio was in a, a, a bit of disorder and needed some organization. And so I sat there and I unplugged every piece of gear so that I could wrap the cables nicely and get everything plugged in. What can you do, what can you not do when everything in your studio is unplugged? You can't write music. You can't make any sound. In this midst of, of, of depression and anxiety and, and, and self-esteem issues, I couldn't handle the success that I had just been given. And so I attempted to sabotage it. Now, this may not be your story, or maybe it is, or maybe you know somebody who, who, who has had a story similar. But there's times when we feel that there is nobody who understands what we are going through. There's times when we can feel that, that, that nobody really cares. And so we fold into ourselves and get into a funk, a depression, ruled by our anxiety. Elijah, in the story that Anne read, Elijah is in a very, very low place. And you may be familiar with, with the stories from Kings, and if you are, even if you haven't read them in a while, I want to encourage you to just, just, just read through first, first and Second Kings. And if that inspires you to go further, fantastic. This is some crazy Game of Thrones stuff. You've got prophets and anointing kings, and you've got battling nations and amazing things happening. And in the chapter just before this, Elijah was one of the prophets of God. In the chapter just before this, Elijah went up to the northern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom, the, the, the king, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, Ahab. The king Ahab. Had, had married Jezebel, a foreign queen, and she had brought her foreign gods and, and tore down altars of God and set up these, these altars towards Baal and Ashtaroth poles and brought her prophets with them and encouraged the people of Israel to worship these things. And it's a time of famine, and so Elijah went up to, to Ahab to tell him, hey, the famine is almost over. But while he's there, he decides to have what I like to call a big God off. You ever see those shows where they have the big bake-off or the big barbecue uh, competition? Elijah says, we're going to have a God-off. You're going to get all your prophets of Baal, and you're going to pick a bull, and you're going to build an altar, and you're going to call to your God. And I'm going to do the same thing to the Lord God Almighty. And the one who answers with fire will know is the true God. And so, so the prophets of Baal, the, the several hundred of them, they, they get their bull and they, they build an altar and they start dancing around the altar. It says for three hours they danced around, calling out to Baal, and nothing happens. And Elijah, bold Elijah, starts taunting them. Sing a little louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's in another room. Maybe he's relieving himself. I mean, this is just smack talk of all smack talk. And, and, and they start like, like, like whipping themselves into a frenzy and pulling out their swords and slashing at themselves and, 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 and nothing happens. And so Elijah says, enough. Elijah takes his bull 
takes 12 stones and builds an altar and sets wood on top of it and, and cuts up the bull and puts it on top of the wood. And then he digs a trench around the altar and has them pour water over, over the bull and the wood and the stones. Not once, not twice, three times until, until the wood is soaking wet and the trench is filled with water. And then he gets down on his face and he prays to God, Lord God Almighty, show them that you are the true God. Fire comes down from heaven, burns up the wet bull, burns up the wet wood, burns up the stones, and laps up the water in the trench. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Hours and hours of Baal worshipers dancing around and cutting themselves and nothing happens. A simple prayer, and God acted mightily in power. And then Elijah rounded up the prophets of Baal, executed them so they could tempt the Israelites no longer. Kind of like having a moment of getting your song played on the radio and people writing about it, Elijah had a moment of victory. And then Ahab goes back to Jezebel and tells her everything that Elijah had done. Not everything that God had done. He killed all your prophets, Jezebel. And Jezebel who lives up to her reputation, actually she's the reason why we'd say that, that temptresses are Jezebels, says to, to, to Ahab, let the gods deal with me ever so severely if by tomorrow at this time Elijah is not like the prophets of mine that he killed. Elijah just had God rain down fire from heaven. What is the threat of a woman? But he's scared. And so he runs. He runs from the far north of the north kingdom all the way down to Beersheba, which is at the very south of, of Judah, the southern kingdom, drops off his, his assistant, and then goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He tries to get as far away from her as possible. He finds this broom tree, and he lies down, and he prays to God, take my life from me. It is too much for me to handle. I can't deal with it. Thanks, Siri. She thought I was talking to her. How sweet. I can't, I can't handle this life anymore. God, I'm as good as dead, and I would rather you took my life than Jezebel took it. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep, hoping that he would never wake up again. Now, it's so easy for us these thousands of years removed to look at Elijah and going, what were you so scared of? You had the Lord Almighty in your back pocket. He protected you by, 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 by reigning mightily and, and accepting your sacrifice in front of the Baal worshipers. Don't you think that he would protect you from Jezebel? If I were in his shoes, I would have so easy to take Elijah and make him this, this big, larger-than-life hero. But Elijah, albeit a prophet of God, was a very real person, like you and me, who when someone says they're going to kill you, is scared. Add on to that that he was probably depressed, if not anxious. I'm talking clinically. He thought that he was all alone. He had met another prophet just the chapter previously, Obadiah, who told him, while I was out doing Ahab's work, 
I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets. He knew his rational mind knew he wasn't alone. But in his fear and depression and anxiety, he felt like there was nobody else. He felt like, like he was worthless. That the things that God could do with him weren't worth anything anymore. To just cast stones at Elijah and say, well, what if he did this and why didn't he do that? It neglects looking at the very real human experience that he was having. Elijah's in despair. Life's journey had overwhelmed him. This is reality. This is, this is what people go through today. I could read you a bunch of stats. I live with a psychiatrist. I could get the latest stats right now if we wanted to. But you'll forget the stats. If you're someone who is, is in this point of depression, who, who feels all alone, who feels completely worthless, you don't need stats. If you're someone who is caring for this person who either has been or is currently in this situation, you don't need stats. What you need is care. Elijah received care. I find this so amazing. He's lying down, sleeping, sleeping underneath this, this bush. And as soon as he falls asleep, it says, Behold, an angel touched him. Not just once, but twice, the angel of the Lord reached out and touched him. And both times, he woke up to find a freshly baked cake of bread still hot from the coals and a pitcher of refreshing water in the midst of the wilderness. Either prepared or brought by the angel of the Lord. This is remarkable. Show me another place in scripture where something even remotely like this happens. Now, a few chapters earlier, God had provided for Elijah by, by crows, ravens bringing him food. But this is the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord shows up to, to Abraham, and Abraham and Sarah make the angel of the Lord a meal. But here the angel of the Lord shows up, touches him, and leaves this sustaining food by his head. Get up and eat. Elijah, wake up. You need food. You need to hydrate yourself. The journey is too much. So Elijah gets up and eats the second time, and it says that he goes for 40 days to Mount Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, the same mountain where Moses talked with the Lord in the burning bush that was not consumed. The same mountain of the Lord where, where, where Moses went up and received the commandments of God as the Israelites saw the Lord descend in smoke and fire. For 40 days with no food or water, Elijah walks. One day for every year that the Israelites wandered around that wilderness. And it's there on that mountain that he experiences God close again as that gentle whisper. 
the ESV had, had an alternate translation, and I loved the poetic beauty of this. It says that after the fire, there was a sound, a thin silence. What does that even sound like? God, close enough to Elijah that he is able to hear him whisper. Elijah received meaningful care from God. Elijah didn't need the, the winds to tear the rocks apart. He didn't need the earthquake. He didn't need the fire. He needed to know that God was close to him. He needed to know that God cared about him. He needed to know that he wasn't alone. He needed to know that his work that he was doing for God was still meaningful. He needed to know that God was close enough to care. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. Wherever God's children are, as they are still upon their father's ground, so they are still under their father's eye and care. They may lose themselves in a wilderness, but God has not lost them. There they may look at him that lives and sees him. Brothers and sisters, we have a caring God. And this is how God reveals himself to us. He's close enough to us in proximity, as close as the person sitting next to you as we make up the body of Christ, as close to us as, as in his word that we can see and hear his voice speaking to us, as close to us as a small loaf of bread and a little pitcher of wine to sustain us for the journey that becomes overwhelming. This caring God is also close to us in relationship. He sees that, 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 that our relationship with him is broken by our sin. He knows that we need a restored relationship with him. He knows the needs of his people, but God is close. This is the story of the incarnation. God saw our needs, and so he came close to us, to be born in a manger, to walk among us, to come into the midst of our brokenness and our mess, to come and walk with us in our journey that is too much for us to handle because he cares. God is close enough to care. He's close enough to care for Elijah and he's close enough to care for you. Even when you can't feel it, even when you can't hear it, even when you can't experience it, God is present. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Victor? What are you doing here, Betty? We are here to meet with God to see him act mightily, but to also hear that thin silence. You are loved. You are cared for. You are not alone. All is not lost because God is with you. And just like his presence with Elijah while he was asleep hoping to die, God is close enough to care for you for our eternal good and his glory. Amen.